Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us in this edition of SRE Practitioner Series. I'm your host, Suresh GP. And today we are in episode number six. So today I am very honored to have Mike Marquisi as a SRE practitioner and author uh, joining us today from Washington to share his insight on his journey on Cytolab Engineering. He currently leads a team of rockstar Cytolab engineers at Blockstream. So let's welcome Mike to this episode of SRA Practice Series. Thanks so much, Mike, for taking time and uh, joining us today to share your insights. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excellent. So uh, we wanted to kind of get you started. So why don't you give us uh, a bird's eye view of your SRE journey and what has been something that has really worked for you as a SRE practitioner, what has not worked so we can kind of dwell deep into some of those aspects. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been working uh, in systems administration and uh, yeah, the various iterations of that for since about 2001. So, uh, you know, transitioned a lot from you know, basic hardware and Windows support uh, through the years, uh, moved into supporting Linux machines and then learned scripting and languages and and uh, got involved with Chef, so I learned Ruby, and then that's when it really started to kick off into DevOps, uh, the DevOps realm, I would say. Um, and then the last few years, I've moved into SRE management, and I've had the uh, privilege of working with some really talented individuals. Um, and uh, yeah, now at this point, I'm over at Blockstream, uh, uh, and we're a uh, cryptocurrency company and um, definitely a new space for me. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, as far as what's worked and what hasn't, that's that's definitely a loaded question because uh, um, yeah, so most of the time it's been focusing on tools and focusing on tech, right? That's, that's really what we do, especially the DevOps world. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, with Chef and Ruby, that, that, that really changed things. That really got me involved and really uh, got me excited about, uh, the, you know, the tech that's that's involved with that. Um, and I know for a lot of people, that's that's really what gets them up in the morning. But I think that what's really worked, especially when being involved with management, is uh, getting back to what the real value is for SREs, you know, we need to bring value to the customers. And so focusing on that on occasion and finding ways of engaging uh, customer support teams and people interact directly with them uh, really gives you an idea. It helps you uh, get a direction for your, for your team and where to focus your efforts. And so, yeah, I'd say that doing looking at things from that lens has worked for me uh, more increasingly lately. Well, in fact, most of the companies do not have different departments. So the way you do SRE in a, in a small mid-sized segment towards large enterprises, there are strikingly different in terms of people understanding the end-to-end -end value chain. Sometimes I think we get lost in our own world of doing some of those um, block work but not mm -hmm. having visibility around that. So have you seen that being 
a common phenomenon in many of the organization of different sizes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've worked at uh, large, large Fortune 100 companies before, and uh, yeah, they definitely you. you I don't want to say you get pigeonholed. It's never, especially with SRE, it's it's always kind of uh, you, you're working on something different every day. But that being said, a lot of times at big big companies, you don't. There's many layers of of management and project management and 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 different people that that are between you and the customer basically and you don't ever you might not ever get that kind of f- direct feedback but you know with smaller smaller companies yeah you might end up having to be maybe between you and the customer especially during an incident there might be one person that's your customer's you know uh sales maybe even sales rep maybe a customer success person um so yeah, that's that's what's really important. I would say even especially during incidents, um, that it's always good to be able to get direct feedback uh, from the customer. You know, if if you get an opportunity during an incident that you could keep someone on the phone, someone that's out there in the wild that you could say, okay, I think we fixed this. Can you verify that? If you get that from the customer, that's like almost. I don't say 100%, but that's a very good indication that things are looking good. And so that's huge. And it's hard to get that when you're working in a really big company. Uh, that's just an example. Right. And that brings in an interesting point here that uh, many of the times the incident management team thinks like, oh, the SRE is coming, probably we are going to be out of jobs. So <laughs> is that um, SRE posing a threat to the um, the support teams of L1, L2, L3, or do you think how they complement for a major incident, and particularly for a bridge where you have 100, 200 people clogging to identify what's happening around? So, what do you think the the kind of the conversation between the support teams and SRE? How how are they kind of playing that complementing role uh, rather than just uh, <clears throat> doing the same firefighting? Yeah, I think. Well, that's I think a common misconception, I guess, of what SRE brings into an organization. And I think that's just historically, it's built from this attitude that SRE's DevOps, we're going to build tools to automate, uh, you know, automate people have a job. Now I'm all for automation and automating things that you could do twice. But bottom line is, is that uh, you need those customer support people. Uh, they're really important. <laughs> And it's best if you embrace them rather than uh, make them concerned. I think the big part of that is education and helping the customer success team uh, or customer facing teams really understand what it is you do. And, you know, sometimes they'll come up with ideas that you might not have thought of on ways that you can bring more value to the customer experience. And, you know, that's what I found is that, you know, just, if you can, for instance, uh, even in sometimes in your sprint planning or whatever, you know, organizational meeting you have with your team, maybe not, you know, sprints, but um, if you could involve those people and also maybe even embed your team with, with the customer success team, um, you're going to get some really good feedback and really good ideas. And it's going to really help you drive the direction of where you should go. And, you know, as to my point is that it shouldn't always be, focused on tools and tech. It needs to involve people. And we're serving people at the end of the day. 
Um, in fact, I think that if you really consider that SRE is a, it should be a customer service org, really. I mean, yeah, we're tech, but at the end of the day, we want to make the customer experience as good as it can by reducing downtime, uh, increasing reliability. It's in, it's in the title. That's the whole point of that is so that, uh, you know, customers have, can consistently use your products and without any issues. Uh, we need to remember that, I think. Yeah. Well, that's a very fair point that people just get so much inundated with the tool chain and looking at what else can we do as part of pipelines. But going back to the education part a little bit, Mike, mm -hmm. many of the times I see from the leadership team, uh, there's not a lot of awareness about site lab engineering because at the end of the day, they don't care whether you call it as DevOps or Lean or SRE. All they care about is profitable growth, improved uh, customer experience and retention. So how much of a difficulty have you seen that from a leadership enablement perspective that site reliability engineering is being faced? Um, is it that the leaders do acknowledge the value of SRE or is it kind of an uphill battle to um, make them understand what's the value that they're going to get by implementing site reliability engineering? Because I have struggled many times to get um, an FT uh, approved for site lab engineers, right? So it's mm -hmm. a strong business case. So what has been your experience, particularly in uh, getting the acknowledgement and support from the top leadership team to build SRE as a capability? Yeah, um, in smaller companies, I think that the leadership is focused a lot on growth and, and, and uh, profitability and bringing SRE in is, is there's two things, uh, right? It's an investment and it's a changing culture sometimes. I found with the, you know, small teams that were, you know, let's say in series A funding rounds tend to want to move fast. They hire a lot of developers and there's uh, tends to sometimes not be a lot of gates. And so SRE, that's, we come in sometimes and people are like, oh, great. Now, now we have to, you know, be careful about how we're deploying things. We have to start writing tests and we can't move as quickly as we can't, as we used to. Um, and I think that's a big challenge that I've faced uh, in working with some smaller teams is showing them like, no, 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 we're not, we're not the uh, release police, you know, we're here to make your experience a little bit better, but we're here to make it safer. We want to move fast, but we want to move safe. And, um, so, yeah, so I have found that, that there can be challenges and we have to show where our worth is. And, you know, kind of going back to the, the, the customer service aspect is, of that, as far as proving how we could drive revenue and growth is it's, I feel that the way to do that is to kind of democratize the data that you have. You know, if you, you get SRE speaks in terms of metrics and uh, terms that are not always easy to consume. I think that we build dashboards and, and graphs and, and uh, monitors and alerts on things that might be very only particular to, you know, one development team or in very technical uh, terms. And we need to remember like, no, 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 we need to take a step back and say, how are we going to be able, how are we going to show this to uh, leadership and show this to customers in a way that they can consume this data. Uh, how are customers going to be able to look at, at at what we're the information that we're gathering and say, okay, you know what, 
this is this is good. I trust these guys because you know this is something that I understand, and you know they seem like they're really on top of it. And you know, hopefully, they think, oh, their SRE team is really great. They're taking care of things. So you know, that's that's what we've got to focus on. We need we need to be able to make the information consumable by people who might not be super technical. That is a great point. I'm just trying to relate with my experience. When you said about democratizing the data, I had one of the CIO that I was working and I asked him, how many reports do you get every week? And he said, Suresh, I get 42 reports every week. And I said, out of the 42 reports, how much of them are you really reading? And he said, two reports. And I said, <laughs> what about the other reports? He said, no, they've been sending these reports since time immemorial and they continue to do them. So, um, and then we did this exercise where we said, okay, now we know something. I said, can I do some experimentation? He said, what are you going to do? I just want to play on the remaining reports to see if someone reads this report. So I made some changes in the next week and I released it. Guess what? How many people actually looked at the reports? Almost zero. So we killed 40 reports. And the sales said, this is great because we have a lot of toil here because they are just producing reports that nobody reads. So that's because it's not in a consumable format. And it's not really presenting the right ideas. So people think that one size fits all, and then they just send reports after reports, but it really doesn't make an actionable insights of having to do that. So I completely think that the democratizing the data and talking the language of the business will make a lot more uh, changes in how we apply. Now, in terms of hiring uh, skills for SRE, have you seen that it's better to be homegrown or do you think someone from outside would do a great job of SRE? It's always a kind of buy or grow within in terms of capability. Um, and, and sometimes it's very demanding to get people or resources from outside. So have you had these challenges in terms of hiring the right level of skill set for SRE? What would you look at if someone would fit the bill for being a site lab engineer? Yeah, uh, I think it's changed specifically with COVID, right? Uh, we've moved more towards a remote first uh, culture, uh, more so than when we were before. And it's kind of given a lot of organizations the opportunity to hire from places that they normally wouldn't have. Uh, I've worked more recently with very, very globally distributed teams. And um, I'm finding that the skill sets in other, when you're hiring from people in Europe or, or Asia, and their experience is just kind of a lot different. And it's something that uh, you got to get used to and you got to integrate in your team. Uh, but I think as a result, it's, um, it's, it's, it's good. It's a very good thing to introduce that kind of diversity, but um, you know, you're not always going to get, you're not always going to get the, you know, the Stanford graduates always uh, you might get someone who's just spent their time in the last 20 years hacking the kernel and things like that so what i think the key is is that regardless of whether you source them from the outside um or or in, within the organization you you need to build the excitement um you need to have a, a a good program and a good uh i guess roadmap in order to get people engaged and that's when you get the most benefits so i don't know if it's it's really hard hard thing to say i do think that um, bringing people in from the inside that want to do it, uh, you know, and especially if you are, if your SRE org is a little bit more mature, 
and people know who you are and they, they you know people outside your organization are excited help bring them in like you know let, let them do the work uh if they want to do it i'm all for it um yeah i i that being said i think i've hired some some of my best engineers from outside of our organization but it was really on me uh, as a manager to to get them to actually be engaged i mean if you don't if you don't do that they could be the best you you're, you might be losing out on potential i think and in terms of uh, one of the things when we talk about cycle lab engineering when they apply these principles what has been your experience in driving those um, commercial off the shelf products because you don't have a lot of visibility on the code changes and it's kind of still monolithic in nature mm -hmm. so do you think that still there is a scope of an sre to be excited when they work with uh, uh, you know, large-scale monolithic systems and how they work, or do you think they're more tuned towards cloud natives? Because I, I think they, there is a there is a concept of my model IT that exists. So what would you say for some of these apps, which is typically vendor-driven and they take a whole lot of time to make changes? Mm -hmm. How do you see the approach? Um, I found that sometimes it depends on the type of, of the... Well, I mean, really what it is is sometimes you get these engineers that are younger i'd say that definitely tends to play a role in it that they do not have a lot of these of experience with these monolithic uh, applications and my initially when that happened when i started first getting management i thought there's no way that these these young these young kids are going to want to work on this really right. old stuff and and you know uh but i was absolutely wrong and the other way around i've worked with, i've hired people that were you know, definitely uh, in the, I would say, older category as far as uh, um, of uh, DevOps and SRE. And they are the first ones to want to jump into these cloud native projects. Uh, so it's you definitely can't go in with any preconceptions. You have to really just get to know the people and and talk to them and say, you know, what projects do you really want to work on? What's going to help me get you out of your comfort zone and help you grow. And a lot of times that's usually how it is. Like you find out what they've worked on and give them something they haven't necessarily worked on. Something that makes them feel a little bit uncomfortable because at the end of the day, that's what I think engineers love to do is learn. And if you're working on the same projects all the time, you're not, you're, you're going to kind of hit a wall. You're like, okay, I've done this 50 times. I've, you know, I've built, I've created helm charts. I've done Terraform. And uh, that's boring now. I went something else. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to send you to the data center and you're going to go pick up a server and rack it and hook it up and see what goes on behind the scenes. And they love it. Some of these younger people have never been in a data center. So <laughs> you, know, you give them that opportunity, it's like magic kind of. And I think that's a great revelation in terms of telling not to have preconceived notion. You have both set of spectrum already available. So in terms of their, um, one of the things you generally talk about is building the tech talent. So um, how do you how do you build, and what, what is your, um, you know, uh, how do you make this tech talent a reality? Because you have a lot of different communities and practices and other stuff. So what's been your experience around that, uh, building the tech talent? Because it becomes an integral part of, the cycle lab engineering um, lifestyle. So, uh, and not many of them are getting exposed to some of those um, tech trends. 
So what mm-hmm. do you do as a manager or managing a team to have that common understanding around different communities or some kind of refugee communities? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that we have, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, with COVID and working from home a lot, we have a lot of unique op- opportunities to draw talent from places we didn't have the opportunity before. And um, one thing I'm kind of passionate about is trying to source from from places and, and groups of people that might not that, that are uh, in situations that are not ideal. Uh, you know, what comes to mind, obviously, I think for a lot of people is the situation in Ukraine, where a lot of people are being displaced from their homes. <clears throat> I personally have worked with a lot of people from in Ukraine. And, um, you know, I have to, and I, you see them all the time on LinkedIn and, and they're now working from bomb shelters and they're working from somebody's home in Poland that they don't even know that they just met, you know, and let's face it, like there's been war going on constantly and there's lots of groups of these people that might have been, uh, you know, not just in tech, but, you know, in medicine or in other, you know, highly skilled um, uh, categories that they go to another country because of war where they are and uh, war where they're from. And, you know, your first concern is not, uh, you know, I'm going to start working and, and once again, building these home charts and no, you're trying to figure out how you're going to feed yourself and how you're going to clothe yourself and, you know, get mental help sometimes. And so, the tech skills are lost. Sometimes those people have a hard time even finding a way to get into, to, to work, first of all, legally, and then work in tech again. And, you know, when you spend one year, two years out of it, it's hard to get back in. And we can't leave those, those people out. We have to, you know, find ways to continue to engage and educate and keep them in the loop so we don't lose that talent. And so that's why I really like to find ways to, to possibly hire uh from groups of people like that and so um yeah so to my point it also creates a kind of a diversity in terms of how you bring fresh new perspectives that you've never thought about because because you've been doing certain activities in certain manner throughout you you tend to think alike but if you have someone from a different background and perspective to look at it they might look at it from a completely different pair of lens and that could give us a lot more, um, far more um, enriching insights that we kind of uh, might not, might miss it in the, in the, in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, 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 my last question would be in terms of SRE and their um, value to the uh, organization. And, and I know there's a lot of demand coming around it. So what is your... Um, um, recommendation on the future of SRE. Where do you think SREs are going to make a difference? Where do you think, uh, what do you think an SRE should keep in mind if they want to become a full-blown, um, well-deserved uh, cycle engineer? What would be your thoughts on? Yeah, I, obviously you need to keep your, uh, keep your skill set relevant, but, um, you know, once again, remember to, f- Remember how you can bring value to the business. Remember how you can bring value to your customers. Um, and think outside the box. Innovation is key. I think that there, there, 
and I, I've recently been discussing this with colleagues is that, you know, this, this getting kind of stale and we go to sometimes these conferences and talks and it's starting to become a, a lot of the same stuff. And right. I think that what we really need in the future is new ways to do our job. We need to start thinking outside of the box uh, and keep the, the discipline DevOps SRE uh, fresh and new. We can't just keep, you know, uh, uh, building Terraform <laughs> home charts again. You know, we need to, to find better ways to enrich the customer experience. And um, that's what's going to keep uh, keep this going. I mean, I, I love the community, definitely. I'm trying to be way more involved. And I've met some amazing people through it. And so that that's how we're going to keep this amazing. I think we, we need to keep everything fresh. That is really good because I, I love what you do for for the site lab engineers and uh, also to the community. Um, so uh, we will publish your tech blog, uh, which is mikemarkasi.se, um, and uh, people can have a look at it and uh, get inspired. So thank you so much, uh, Mike, for spending some time today to share your perspectives and journey around the site lab engineers and. I love the word that you finally closed with that saying SRE should be fresh. So fresh, relevant, and make sure they make customers and business uh, look good. So awesome <laughs> to Great. see you there. Great. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And I hope uh, the viewers enjoy it as we speak and uh, stay in touch for our next episode on the SRE Practitioner Series. Thank you so much. Mm, thank you.